Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. I want to speak to you tonight about a subject that uh, Hayden said in mingle time is my favourite. And I guess it is in a lot of ways because I feel like it so transformed my life and changed me from being someone that was incredibly shy and really without a whole lot of dream for my life. And when this subject began to come alive to me and when God began to reveal things to it, it started a journey. And it wasn't over in one service. It wasn't just one reading. But it's been a lifetime that continues to challenge me to this day. So let's go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 25. Jesus is on the way to the house of Jairus. Jairus is a ruler of a synagogue, people that have been really in opposition to Jesus. And yet Jairus' daughter is desperately ill. And therefore Jairus is desperate for Jesus to come. He's heard about the miracles and he wants Jesus to come. And Jesus says, I will come. And so the two of them set off in the direction of Jairus' house. But we are going to read about a divine interruption along the way. Some other time we'll come back to the story of Jairus. But tonight I want to speak about this woman. It says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She'd suffered many things from many physicians. She'd spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment because she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of the blood, uh, her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power or virtue had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? But he looked around to see her that had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to do what you did for me and are still doing for me over many, many years where the subject of faith and the realisation of the immense power of believing began to so arrest my attention that, Lord, my life has never been the same. Lord, I'm sorry for the times when I haven't acted in faith or walked in faith. Lord, rather allowed doubt or fear or the circumstances or opinions of others to get inside of my thinking and to rob me of what you wanted to do. But God, I pray that tonight you'll continue the journey in me. Lord, you'll continue it in the lives of those that are here, a part of this service. Lord, if they've never begun it, Lord, would you, would you spark something in them tonight? so that each one of us, God, can be aware of your mighty power, your power to deliver and your power to heal, your power to save, your power to set free and to make whole in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. 
When I think about this woman in her culture condemned for so long to a life of isolation and reproach, she was considered to be untouchable and not allowed to touch anyone else at all. But she hears about Jesus. But naturally she wonders, given her condition, how she could ever get an audience with him, the miracle worker. And yet somehow or other, as happens, the thought comes to her, or her heart, or, or is it her head? She's not really sure where this thought comes from, but it's persistent. And the thought is pretty strange and it's fairly radical because the thought comes to her and this is what it looks like. If I could just touch his clothes, not him, if I could just touch what he's wearing, something would happen to me. Somehow or other, my life would be different. Somehow or other, everything could be different. With a mere touch, my life could change. But I'm sure she dismisses the thought. Most people would. We'd go, hello, I know what I've got. Don't you realise it's 12 years? There is no hope. I've been told again and again, this might work. Why don't you try this? Here's another therapy. Here's another thing you might like to try. My aunt had something like that and she got this and look where she is. And so she's tried everything to the point where she's literally spent every cent she owns. So she not only is no better, now she's broke. Not only is she broke, she's got no friends because who can be her friend when she can't go to their home? She can't go to a cafe. Talk about ISO. This woman has lived it for 12 long years and yet the thought comes again. She goes to lay down to, to sleep and the thought comes to her mind again. If I could just touch his clothes, somebody that loved her and cared about her, though they would not touch her, tells her the story because the Bible says when she had heard about Jesus. Can I just stop for a minute and say a massive thank you to every Christian that tells somebody else a great story about Jesus. Somebody that says, this is what God is doing. Somebody that gets their head out of the newspaper, off the TV screen and begins to share with somebody, God can help you. God can make a difference in your life. And this woman has friends like that who say you won't believe it. But this man called Jesus in the midst of this terrible time in which we live, he has begun to go throughout the land and lepers are being healed and blind eyes are being opened. Cripples are beginning to walk again. He's speaking our language. He talks to us in a way that is not like the Pharisees. He prays not like the religious leaders, but he carries something. You can feel it when you get in his presence. This woman hears the story of it. And again, the thought comes to her as she lays there at night. What if I just touched the hem of his garment? And so then she starts talking to herself. She starts muttering because the Bible says she said it. It wasn't even just any longer a thought. Now it's, you know what? I think this would happen. And it gets to such a point that the reasons why probably it would never work somehow or other lose their power to prevent her action. 
And somehow or other, the faith, because that's what it is, that starts to be incubated inside of her, moves her to the kind of unthinkable action that is against every cultural moray in her world. She's not allowed to do this, but somehow or other, something inside of her prompts her and moves her. So it gives way to the certainty that it's going to happen. But when she finally gets, she hears Jesus is coming. And when she finally gets to where He is, there is the impenetrable crowd. Now, I don't know what impenetrable crowd is around you, but I guarantee there'll be some. There'll be someone that you've read about who said it's incurable. There was somebody who told you, oh, well, that's never going to come right. Oh, well, you know, we are meant to have a life of pain. Trust me, there is always an impenetrable crowd They want to prevent you getting to Jesus. There's always someone. I talk to people all the time for whom the impenetrable crowd is religion. It's the religion they grew up with. I spoke to a man this morning who told me about the religion that he'd been raised in and why that had so messed up his thinking about God. And now he's starting to to come and and see here and all of a sudden realises that maybe what he thought was God wasn't God, it was just religion. But see, he's got an impenetrable crowd. But some of us that are believers have got an impenetrable crowd. For us, maybe it's how long we've had it. It's 12 years. That's a long time. That's two years over a decade. It's not like she's had it a month or two, but she's laboured with this thing for that long. She's had her hopes raised and her hopes dashed. And so this woman, her impenetrable crowd is all the, the accumulation of disappointment that somehow or other just seems to bury any future hope. And even if it happened, well, she's got no money to pay for it anyway. Maybe that's what her impenetrable crowd was, was her lack. All the stuff she hasn't gotten, I couldn't afford it anyway. But this woman approaches Jesus only to discover that there's a crowd, but something about this woman is different because she doesn't just go, oh, well, it mustn't meant to be. You know, one of the worst things you'll ever hear a Christian say is, oh, well, it mustn't be meant to be. As though somehow or other an obstacle or a difficulty is God saying no to you. Somehow or other that because it's not easy, that that must mean it's not the will of God. But opposition never, ever declares that you're in the wrong place. The mere fact, listen to me, the mere fact you strike difficulty, maybe that loved one you're praying for seems to get worse and worse. Opposition doesn't mean your prayers aren't working. Perhaps all it means is there's an impenetrable crowd around about you and now you need to press through. That's what she does. She pushes through the crowd, reaches out and touches his robe and immediately she feels it. Jesus feels it, but so does she. She feels all of a sudden her body getting stronger. The weakness, the the lack of energy that certainly would have been a part of her world is starts to evaporate. She feels herself get stronger. She knows what's going on. Well, at that moment, there's only two people know that anything's happened. One of the things I love about this story is that the crowd is oblivious. 
It's often the truth. The crowd has no idea. You know, maybe there are people looking at you and they wonder that you've come to Christ. And they look and they go, ah, they've just got a bit of religion. Ah, well, it'll, it'll wash off. Ah, they'll get sick of it eventually. It's just a new fad in their life. Oh, I'll never forget someone from many, many years ago, but when I came to Christ, this lady said to me, we were praying you'd come to God, but we never imagined you'd go this far. She wanted me to be like her and just have enough God to stop being bad. And I got a fair bit more than just enough to stop being bad. And, and I want to tell you that this woman, you know, don't worry about the crowd. Listen, if ever there was a day when Christians need to stop listening to the crowd, it's this one. Because the crowd's going to give you a whole lot of rubbish. They're going to tell you why that won't work, why this is bad, why the world's going to hell in a handbasket. But my Bible says, lift up your eyes and look for the fields of white and a harvest. And I come from farming country and I know if they were white and a harvest in Jesus' day, they can't get green again. It's definitely white half a harvest than it's ever been. There are more people coming to Jesus. So get your mind off what the crowd is jibber-jabbering about, what the crowd is talking about all the gossip of the news and all of that stuff. I'm not saying don't listen to it. I'm saying make sure that the crowd doesn't determine how close you get to Jesus. This woman presses through the crowd and then Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to be looking for me, saying, who touched me? I really do. Oh, I pray that. Oh, you have no idea. I hunger that my life will be like this. I want Jesus to stop and say, somebody touch me. Maybe it wasn't in the, the crowd of the service where hands were raised and people could see that you're worshipping. Maybe it's in the middle of the night and you're all alone and tears are coming down your face, but somebody touches Jesus. I want Jesus. Just stop and go, who touched me? Who was it? Who touched me? No one responds at first. We know that because the disciples, they scoff. They're pretty good at that. Oh, Jesus, don't be silly. Oh, can't you see how big the crowd? You're being jostled, Lord. It's like the David Jones, you know, end of financial year sale. They still have them? Everyone goes in there and they're early and they knock the doors down. People get trampled. Jesus says, no, someone touched me differently. Someone touched me not just with need, but someone touched me with faith. See, everyone's got need. Everyone in that crowd had a need. And everyone, everyone with needs touching one another. Everyone with needs bumping up against Jesus. See, listen to me, it's not your closeness to the presence of Jesus. It's what you touch him with. So many Christians think if I just come into the presence of God, if I simply worship him, well, your proximity to him won't bring the power that he has necessarily. Who touched me? She steps forward and she tells the story. And I want to speak about faith tonight, not because you don't know, but because so many of us do know. 
Because for so many of us, we've lived a life where faith and the terminology of it is common to us. If you've been a Christian for a while, faith is an everyday part of life. But I wonder whether we have the faith that touches Jesus or whether I just stand in the distance like a disciple. Isn't it interesting the disciples were there that day and they never touched Jesus with faith? And they were disciples. Jesus turns to her, verse 34 tells us, He turns to her and He says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This is an unusual miracle because it's the first time that Jesus is not the dominant active party. Jesus doesn't lay hands. That's what He said to Jairus. I will come and lay hands on your daughter. Man, the, the, the blind man, he goes to the pool of Siloam. Jesus spat in the ground, made mud, put it in the man's eyes. He touched him. The leper in, in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 8, verse 1 through to 3, he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I'm willing, and put forth his hand and touched him. This miracle is way out of everyone else's understanding because for the first time, it's not Jesus coming up and being active on It's somebody else simply touching Him. I believe the greatest gift that God gives to a believer outside of salvation in heaven, which is pretty big, but I believe that the most powerful thing God puts in your life is faith. It's the ability to touch God. It's the ability for something supernatural to come to your life. Let me give you a bunch of statements here and you can jot them down or uh, listen to this again. See, faith makes room for God. Faith doesn't just kind of go, oh, well, my life is contained within these limitations. Faith opens the gate and says, God, would you like to come in? Come on, I, I don't know who you are. Maybe your life's great. Please don't assume that I'm only speaking to people that are desperate after 12 years of sickness. Because I don't believe faith, according to Hebrews 11, is just for problems. It tells me that through faith they subdued kingdoms and worked righteousness. How many people know our nation needs righteousness worked? Amen. And yet so many people want to debate and argue and I go, but if the Bible doesn't say that we work righteousness by our arguments, it says we work it by faith. I don't want to know how many letters to a politician you can write. Do that. What I want to know is what are you believing about this nation? Amen? What are you believing? Listen, there are cosmic battles that are going on that are far more important than the arguments in the letters to the editor. I'm going to say a whole lot tonight and you can go and be a part of the service again. They stay up on YouTube for that very reason. Faith makes room for God. When we say the Lord's Prayer, we say thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. What we are saying is, God, can we have some heaven here before we go there? God, I don't want to wait until my life is over and I step in and all of heaven. See, people think heaven's waiting for them. But I think God is waiting for us to bring some of it here. Otherwise, why would Jesus say, pray like this? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth like it is. If there was no other verse than that, I would believe in supernatural healing. I believe in supernatural blessing. I would believe in supernatural restoration. I would believe in a peace that passes all understanding. Not because a preacher said it, but because Jesus said, this is how you ought to pray. Faith makes room for God. Secondly, faith lifts me out of the realm of reason alone. It made no sense for this woman. She, If she's been to many physicians, then she's been touched and has touched a lot of people and nothing ever occurred. I'm sure if I went around this auditorium tonight or amongst those of you online and I asked you, tell me the story of when Jesus touched your life or your loved one, I would get countless numbers of stories because I have already heard so many in this last week People telling me how, and you've got to go, it was supernatural. That was not in the realms of possibility. The reality is that faith lifts me out of the realm of reason alone. It not gets me out of reason, but it lifts me out of where that's the only thing I have. Faith's not a debate. It's not an argument. It's not a, a proof in the sense that science might call a proof. But why are there so many wonderful Christian people of science? Why is it that there's so many science? I read a quote just this week from one of the discoverers of the double helix form of DNA. A wonderful science. They won the Nobel Prize for goodness sake. And he talks about the simplicity and obviousness of faith. And there are countless numbers of people like that. Some of them are in this church. Wonderful scientists who say, I, I think and I reason I, and I deduce and I use logic. But then I also understand there's something way beyond that. Because faith is supernatural and it brings the supernatural to your life. And if I ask you, how many of you here have got a need right now that's outside of logic? It's outside of what you can imagine. Thank God for verses like Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, where it says this, Now unto Him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all, I love this, that we can ask or think. God says no matter how much you can debate it out. You know, faith doesn't require your brain to be able to get all the ducks to line up. It's above what you can ask or even think. Isaiah 55, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. Thirdly, faith dispels doubt. Some people think that, I've heard people preach like this, that faith is the opposite of doubt. I go, oh no, it's not. That implies that they are equal and opposite forces, but they're not. Faith is like light to darkness. You don't, when we, when we, you want to turn the light on when you go home, you don't chase darkness out of the room. You don't go, oh, heck, before we go in there and get some light, we've got to chase the darkness out. Darkness be gone. No, you just turn the light on. Darkness has not got the power that light has. Huh? Doubt, listen, some, some of those people get so occupied in doubt, and, oh, but I'm doubting, I go, 
let's, let's come to Jesus. Amen? Because faith drives doubt away. Next one, faith opens your eyes to see what others don't. Only two people that day could see the possibility of a miracle. Jesus, who always, think about this a minute. Jesus walked around with the tap on. Huh? See, we're so contractual in our thinking. We think I've got to get God's attention. And then when I get his attention, I've got to tell him why you ought to do it. And there's Jesus going around like this. Taps turned on. And absolutely anybody that day, it wasn't like he just said, well, praise God, it's your lucky day. Wasn't like that. He's going around with the tap turned on and anybody that touched him would have got healed. How do I know that? I'll show you in just a second. I know that because he went around not limiting. God is not restricting to miracles to the people that are good. Come on, some of you need a breakthrough in your life and you're trying so desperately hard to stay good enough long enough so that your prayers will have power. And Jesus is going around with the tap turned on. Here's the next one. Faith becomes an encouragement to others. I told you I'd tell you why I think he goes around with the, touch, the tap turned on. Mark 6.56, next chapter, wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces, begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. He had enough for everyone that day, but only one person did it. Your faith, your answer, come on, it becomes an encouragement to someone else. Can I tell you, your testimony is far more powerful and speaks louder than your trial. You're going through a trial right now. Awesome. Not awesome that you're going through a trial, but awesome that God wants to give you a testimony. This woman's testimony did not start at the grasp of the hem of Jesus' garment. It started when she first heard about Jesus and she said, if I may touch buddy's clothes, I shall be made whole. That's where it started. Long before there was anyone else in the room, long before anybody else approved it, there she was just with her faith alone in private. Here's the last thing, is that faith is a work of the Holy Spirit. I'd love to tell you that all you've got to do is be positive, make a great declaration, but faith is not optimism. It's optimistic. Faith is not positive thinking, though, of course, it is thinking positively. She wasn't going there going, well, you know, it probably won't happen. No, she went there believing. Faith's not hope. I hope so, though certainly she had hope in her heart. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 tells us this, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that's not from you. It's the gift of God. Well, that faith that got you saved never even came out of you. Oh, I don't know if I can believe. Yes, you can, because he'll give you the faith to do that. But you know, every act of faith after that is still a gift of God. And if it's a work of the Holy Spirit, then I can come to him and say, Lord, would you give me that? Every time of prayer, 
for me is moving from my level of reason to my level of revelation. Every time a prayer is not, oh God, here's my shopping list and here's everything that's wrong. I find mostly that prayer is about receiving something from the Holy Spirit that gets outworked later in my life. It was the Holy Spirit that was at work in this woman's life in Mark 5, fanning the spark into a flame. And I'm convinced that many of you, he's been doing exactly the same. He's been saying, come on. Come on, if I ask for a show of hands, I'll guarantee there's some of you here and, you know, your head looks at that loved one not walking with God and goes, oh, no, it's terrible. Where did I go wrong? It's all my fault. And then in comes the Holy Spirit. It says it's a lamb for a house. Salvation's come to your household. We go, oh, but he comes back again and says, come on, it's a lamb for a house. Come on, your loved ones, your children are sanctified by the believing parent. And you go, oh, and if you will keep on listening and letting the, oh, disappear, if you'll keep on listening, faith will rise up. Faith is not something we conjure up. I'm trying to believe. Well, you're not believing yet. Faith isn't trying to believe anything. Faith is allowing the Holy Spirit to bring revelation to your life. I hope this helps you tonight. I think about things like this so often because I recognise that the greatest need in our world today is that the people of God be people of faith. Not people of, oh God, the world's gone all bad. Quick, hurry up and come back so we can get out of here. I really hope he doesn't answer that prayer. I've got a friend of mine who tells me that Jesus is coming back on a Thursday. Every Wednesday he tells me it could happen tomorrow. And then every Friday he says, oh, maybe it's next week. I've told him many times. I actually hope it's not this week and I hope it's not next week. I actually hope it's not for a while. You go, why don't you want Jesus to come back? Of course you do, every believer does. But there's still so much work to be done. He's our fortress, he's our shield. Amen. He's the one we trust. Come on team, just come with us. We're just going to sing that. Stay seated a minute. Let's just sing, my rock, my shield, my fortress you are. Really open your heart tonight. I'm actually not trying to preach you a sermon so much as I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, because I couldn't do this, but I'm praying the Holy Spirit will come beside you. And I'm praying that He will, will light something in you, even if it's the slightest spark. I'm hoping and praying, believing that He'll be doing that tonight, wherever you are. Maybe you're online with us. Maybe you are surrounded with so many difficulties. Come on, let's reach out to God just while you're seated. He's my rock, my shield. My shield, my fortress you are. My rock, my shield. 
everybody will have heard of most likely. It's in Luke 15, it's the story of a boy who comes to his dad and says, Dad, I'm tired of waiting. I want to get out. I want to enjoy life. The father does what he really doesn't want to do, but he does it because the boy's asked. He lets it go. The boy takes all of this wealth he's just got from dad, goes traveling, goes to all these places where because he's got money he's got lots of friends and people are telling him all kinds of stuff but then there arises such a famine and all of a sudden all of his money's gone there's not anything left the Jewish boy ends up taking a job feeding an animal that he would not even gone anywhere near before in his whole life as pigs he's getting so hungry that at one point he goes you know what I'm thinking I might even take some of their food. I don't know who you are, but there's some people a part of the service either in the building or online. And you know what it's like to become desperate. You know what it's like to start feeling like the life you've got is not worth living. It's just so not where it ought to be. You've wondered, some of you at times, whether you would not have even been better off dead you've thought to yourself how do I get out of this you've tried things like the woman desperation's led you to ask for help there and ask for help there and nothing's worked the Bible says this boy this man says when he came to himself in Luke 15 he said you know what I could go home. I don't know what kind of reception I'll get, but it's got to be better than here. So he gets up out of the pig pen, lost everything he owns, and he starts going. And guess what? There's Dad waiting for him. I don't know who you are, but I know there's been somebody in your life who's been praying for you. Somebody has been standing in a gap for you. You weren't praying this for yourself. They were praying for you. You know, if you will come back to God, if you will come to yourself and say, Lord, tonight I'm going to come back to you. I've tried it my way. That didn't work. But God, I'm going to try it your way. Here in Metro, we call it Yes Text. The boy didn't do anything complicated, by the way. He came home with a prepared speech and the father said, I don't need to hear it. Welcome home. When you say yes to Jesus, that's what God says. Welcome home. If you're in Australia, the number's easy. It's 0488 How hard is this? You text yes, Y-E-S, 
people do it every week. Why, yes, when you do, the next day we will send to you, after you do that, we will send to you a scripture fits on one screen of your smartphone. We'll send it with, with that a, a, a prayer that we've written because we know many people don't know where to start to pray. And that's it. We don't write and ask you for money. We don't write and best to you. All we do is send you that, a different one every day for 30 days. Here's the good news. It doesn't come from Google or Facebook. It's absolutely just from us at Metro Church. Matter of fact, uh, Sebastian Rashida here. Are you coming up here, little man? Coming up here quickly. I need you both for a second. This is Sebastian Rashida. I want people to know that if you yes text, these are the people who are sending this to you. They're a part of our team here, some of our leaders. Hi, are you both? And wonderful. You both came to Jesus in this church, didn't you? And separately and then you went you got baptized the same night not dating not knowing each other and then sometime after that you kind of connected and met and now you're married and how wonderful that is huh and now you're reaching people in italy and the uk online and well you both are but you're also helping so many people that send in their yes text and I've asked these guys if they'd be willing to not only send that out, but if you yes text and you got a question, I want you to see who it is. Because these people will answer it for you. Maybe you go, well, you need, I don't know if I've ever said this, but when I first gave my heart to Jesus, I rang someone every day, seriously, a Christian. And I'd go, what do I do with this? I don't know what to do with that. Where do I, what do I read in the Bible? And I, I didn't know where to start, what to do. I didn't know how to pray or anything else. And I ring them every day and they were patient with me and answered all my questions. That's what you're going to do for people. Huh? Thank you so much for the way you're serving people. If you send a yes text either to 0488826392 or if you're outside of Australia or you'd rather get it via email, yes.metrochurch.org.au. It'd be our joy to help you on your journey with Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. They're a wonderful couple. Send in your yes text. Now, before we finish, and the team lead us in a wonderful song again, thank you for being a part of the service. If you need prayer at the end of the service and you're in the building, Pastor Ray Allen is here. There he is right down there. Pastor Ray Allen's ready to pray with you if you need prayer ministry of some kind. If you're online, Pastor Bruce and Solomon Papa are waiting to pray with you. But I want to just stop right now. I'm going to ask this. If you're one of those people who goes, Jeff, I need to press through the crowd, whatever your crowd is, I'm just going to ask you, because she had to do something, I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet. Just, I'm going to pray for you wherever you are. If you're online, of course, you can stand in your lounge room or wherever you are. If that's you, just stand up. Don't thank you. Just whoever you are, if you want to stand up, I'm not going to ask you what it is. I'm not going to come and quiz you about it. Just want to take a moment. If you're up on the stage and that's you, just lift your hand so that you're doing something other than just being here. God bless you. Whoever you are, just that's awesome. Thank you so much for standing. People are standing. Thank you. I see you up around there. God bless you. Heavenly Father, for everyone that's standing, 
both in the building and online. Everyone that's saying, God, I've got to break through a crowd. The crowd that says it's never going to happen. The crowd that says you'll never find that one. The crowd that keeps on whispering doubt and fear. What if it never happens? God, I pray for these people that the Holy Spirit will do what He does best. Come alongside them and birth faith. Help them to believe, Lord. Not just that you're there, but that you've got to do it. You've got to bring it to pass. In the name of Jesus. Amen.